Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Amen. Go with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 6. Like I said, I want to wrap up tonight in this thought of honor. And it's just amazing how God works. I feel like the last series and messages that we've been in have just really kind of set us up for next week because I'm going to tell you right now, we're bringing gifts in. I said, we're, bring, we're not bringing people in next week. We're bringing gifts to the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that Jesus himself gave gifts unto men. He gave gifts to the body. And those gifts are the fivefold, uh, uh, the teacher, the preacher, or the teacher, the pastor, the prophet, the evangelist, and the apostle. Those fivefold uh, gifts, yes, they, they reside and take residence in people. But when that, when that person is in front of you, that's a gift in front of you. And you want to receive the gift. And what we're discovering, you know, in these last several weeks talking about honor is you don't receive the gift through dishonor. You don't, you, you don't get anything by showing dishonor. But when we learn to honor, when we learn the, the code or the, the principle uh, in the kingdom of God of honor, then we get access to the blessings within the kingdom. And I can tell you right now, everything that you want and everything that you need in your life is locked up in honor. It's locked up in honor. And so we're discovering that this factor of honor uh, uh, is, is God hides these treasures in earthen vessels, the Bible tells us. What's that mean? In stuff that looks just like you and me. You ever discredited someone because they look just like you or, or they've got the same background as you or they've got the same level of education as you or they make the same money as you or all these, all these parameters that we put on people when God is saying there's treasure in there. There's treasure. But the thing is, is you don't get the treasure without taking the dirt. There's a treasure hidden in a field and a man went and he sold all that he had to buy the field, not just the treasure. Not just the treasure, not just the good stuff, not just the stuff everyone wants. And so we recognize that this level of honor means that we, we, we honor the whole because of what's inside. And so when we dishonor, you never get access to the treasure. Everything you need and everything that, that God has designed and destined for you comes through honor and comes through honoring not just what's in a person, but even the stuff we don't like. And we're discovering here, as in Mark chapter 6 is showing us, Jesus goes back to his hometown, right? He goes back to Nazareth. It's the only time that we see that Jesus wasn't able to perform miracles, wasn't able to do the signs and wonders and the healings and the casting out of demons, the deliverance, the blessing that the people needed. The only time was when he went back to his own people. Who's his own? The people that know him the best. Oh, isn't this the carpenter's son? See, he, he could go to Samaria. They didn't know he was a carpenter. A woman at the well meets him and says, I perceive you must be a prophet. She didn't think, well, you're just a carpenter. Well, you ain't got nothing for me. I think initially she saw him as a Jew, right? Initially she looked at him and said, Jewish man asking me for water. Great, what's new? What's next? But when she got past and she perceived, you're, you're a prophet. 
there's, there's something inside of you that I almost missed because of what's on the outside. The shell, the Jew shell. Or the, I mean, and Jesus, see, Jesus reversed this. Jesus showed honor everywhere he went. And not to just, not just to people that we think are honorable. Jesus showed honor, this, get this. Jesus showed honor to dishonorable people and got the treasure. He showed honor to a wee little man named Zacchaeus climbing up in a tree trying to see him and says, I'm coming to your house. He showed honor to a, a Matthew, a tax collector. He showed honor to just, you know, fishermen out just trying to make a wage, just out doing their job, just out doing their thing. He showed honor to Pontius Pilate. He showed honor to Nicodemus. He showed honor to people that man we would call dishonorable. And guess what he got? Treasure. But this is the thing is you can dishonor even people that are honorable and lock up the treasure. This is the power of honor. Honor will pull out of bad people the good. That's what honor will do. And again, we've covered this, that this subject of honor goes completely against. I know what I'm saying these last several weeks and tonight is countercultural to what we live in and to what we see. We live in, in just the utmost disrespect and, and dishonoring and discrediting, and we can't say anything good about anybody. And in a culture like that, we will never get to receive or live in the blessings that God has for us in his kingdom. We just won't. Falling in line and, and falling in line with the crowd. I'm looking for people that will stand out. I'm looking for people that will go against the grain. I'm looking for people, God's looking for people that, that will stand up and say, I know that he did this and I know that they said this, but let me, let, let's, let's show honor. Let's reveal honor to this person, even though they seem dishonorable and watch what you'll get out. Watch what you'll get back. And so here in Mark chapter six, Jesus again is in his own hometown in Nazareth. And uh, we skip on down, uh, let's see. Skip on down to verse four. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives and in, in, in his own house. So he, he tells us, he clues us into one of the greatest risks or the, the greatest dangers uh, that will keep us from living a life of honor and it's familiarity. And so the thing that we become close to, we, we run a risk of lacking in honor towards that. The closer you get to something, why? Because the closer you get, the more flaws you see. Well, Jesus was a perfect man. He didn't have any flaws. No, no, no. Go back and look at his family story. Go back and look uh, to what Nazareth represented. We covered this. Nazareth wouldn't even be on the map if it wasn't for Jesus being from that town. And then we also saw that they had such a poor self-view, right, of themselves. Nothing good can come from Nazareth, Nathaniel said. Nazareth. Nothing, come, nothing good comes from Nazareth. So they had a poor self-view, and since Jesus was from Nazareth, they, they, they displayed their lack of honor for themselves on him as well. And so identity is 
huge. And I'll say this too on identity. We did a powerful series last year. Uh, I don't know, probably was around this time last year, September, October. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe towards in the end of the year, November, December. Anybody remember that, that series we did on identity? Oh, that was good stuff. We need to you go back and you can get that online uh, because that was the big key for their lack of honor for Jesus was their own self-identity. See, when you know who you are in Christ, then you can value others. And so many times a lack of honor for others is really just an indication uh, that we have a poor self-view of ourselves. And so he says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Verse five, now, that's a connector word. It's connecting what you just heard to what you're about to hear. Now, he could do no mighty work there. The indication is, is that the miracles and the blessings and the signs and wonders were locked up in honor. And the one time we see Jesus dishonored, I mean, Jesus could go anywhere. People would call him good teacher. People would call him Lord. Uh, people would recognize him as the Messiah. People uh, would, would recognize, uh, you know, that, that he was the son of David or the son, and they would receive what? Blessing. Receive what was, receive the treasure that was hidden in earthen vessels. But it says he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. He marveled because of their unbelief. You know, sometimes it takes faith to walk in honor. It takes faith to honor a, a, a spouse that maybe doesn't treat you correctly. It takes faith to honor a boss uh, that maybe operates, uh, uh, you know, um, unethically, immorally. It, it takes honor uh, to serve and to continue to submit. I heard someone say one time that submission doesn't even show up until you disagree. If we only do what we agree with, and if we don't, is that really submission? As long as it aligns with your values and your, pre but, but, and, and man, I, I'll tell you, one of the greatest signs of immaturity is when we quit or we bow out or we quit serving simply because uh, we don't agree, we don't see things eye to eye, uh, uh, we, we don't, uh, uh, maybe don't have the same character, or even if you do see character flaws. And so there's this level of service, uh, disagreement does not have to mean disrespect. It just doesn't. You can work for a boss and you don't have the same values, but you can still get the job done and you can still walk with respect and you can still respectfully disagree. You ever heard someone say that? I respectfully disagree. Usually they don't. <laughs> they just say that. I respectfully disagree. We'll find out how, re how respectfully disagree and, you know, it gets heated. But, but hey, you know, sometimes it's literally, you know, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't see it that way, but if that's how you want to get it done. I, I, don't, I don't really agree with that, but hey, you're in charge. I submit. That's what you need. As long as it's moral and ethical and biblical, right? When we cross that line, you still don't slap them in the face and say, man, you're a piece of junk. I'm out of here. I'm not doing it. No, you say, you know what? I, I, I'm sorry. I can't do that. It'll compromise my values. It'll compromise what I believe. It'll compromise my God. You know, all those things. And we're living in a day of age where compromise is becoming more real and real. And, and we have to stand our ground, but we can do it with honor, with honor. I want to show you tonight 
You know, I think most believers would, would make the statement, I honor God, would, would say that I, I live with honor to God. But I believe that there are some things that God has placed in the word and in our lives that honor is not just with the mouth. Honor is not just what I say. In fact, Jesus even addressed this. He said, you know, this, this generation, they honor me with their lips, but what? Their heart is far from me. There's a disconnect. So honor is not mere lip service. And, and honor is not just saying something. But honor, I believe, and the word reveals this to us, that honor is displayed. Displayed. There is a display of honor. It's kind of like love. Love is not just something you say. It's not just words, but, but love is on display. Love is action. Love is a verb. Love is something that you do, not just something that you say. And so honor is a display. There should be a revelation of honor. And let me tell you this. In our day and age, our world needs to see people demonstrate biblical honor. They need to see that. They need to see it. I have a hard time with some of these athletes. Come on. As much money as you make. I mean, you got everything that everyone's wanting and searching for. You got the fame. Uh, you, you got the influence. And, and that's how you want to use your platform? I, I, I have a problem with that. It's an open district, and I'm not just talking the flag stuff. I'm not even talking President Trump stuff. I'm talking, well, right now, we've got, we've got athletes that are openly, blatantly disrespecting their owners and their bosses. And the sad part is we have middle schoolers and high schoolers looking up to these guys. They are on a platform. They, they are looked up to, not just seen, right? It's, there's a difference between seen and looked at. I'm gazing at you and I'm, I'm building my life based upon what you do and they see open disrespect and calling out owners and calling out teammates and calling out coaches and, and they're sitting in front of microphones and, and the media is asking all the right questions to set them up. Will anybody please look at the collateral damage? Will anybody please, please zoom out and see the big picture of what is being compromised when we allow these individuals to act that way. A lack of, our world needs to see honor demonstrated. They need to see people disagree in a healthy way and support even though we might not align on everything. That's what our world needs to see. But we, we, we have a world that cuts down. We have a world that, that, that looks at all the flaws, highlights the flaws in, in spite of the good things. And so we, we need a, a display. And so honor is displayed. And, and, and here I want to look at three things tonight. Three things that we can honor that reveal our honor to God. Three things we can honor that reveal our honor to God. I don't have a catchy title or anything like that tonight. Just, I wanna cover three things in this earth. And this isn't all conclusive. This isn't the only three things, but I believe this is a good way to start. If we, it's, you know, we say we honor God, but then a lack of honor or a lack of value for these things might say something different. 
It might say something different. The first thing that I want to look at, the first thing that I want to look at is an honor for God's word. In the Psalms chapter 119, Psalms chapter 119. Y'all doing good? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Psalm 119. This whole chapter, it's actually the longest chapter in the entire Bible, Psalms chapter 119. And the whole chapter is about God's word. You should, you should, you should take, uh, you know, uh, 20, 30 minutes, you know, out of your day and, 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 and stop and just read it. Read what David has to say about God's word. I will keep your precepts. I, uh, uh, you know, I will honor your word. Teach me the way of your statutes. I, I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding. I shall keep your, I mean, just great, great insight on God's word. But in verse 11, he kind of, he shows us something here. In verse 11, he says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. He says, your word, I have hidden in my, and, and David is saying this, and he doesn't even have a Bible, okay? He doesn't have a version app with the verse of the day popping up on his phone the second he wakes up. He doesn't have that. So what is he saying? He's saying, I've got communication with you, and what I'm hearing from you, I'm hiding it in my heart that I might not sin against you. So, so he's revealing, because remember, honor is value, Right, remember that? Honor equals value. The honor you have for something reveals the value you have for something. And so he says, your word have I hidden in my heart. Now, know this, that you always place items of value in hidden places. You can a lot of times see the value that someone has for something by where they place it where they put it. If it's sitting out in the open where anybody can get to it, if, it, if it's sitting out uh, where, where it can get rusted, where it can get destroyed, uh, then they probably don't have that great of a value for it. But when you have value for something, you're very careful and very intentional about where you put it. And in everybody's houses right now, you've got things that are just scattered about, just, you know, visible to the naked eye, easy to find. But then you have things of value that are most likely put away in a place where it would be difficult to get to, where no one could easily find it. And so this is an interesting construct of, of language here. He says, your word I have hidden, not just placed. Your word I have hidden. Well, from who? Well, the Bible tells us uh, uh, in Matthew chapter 13 that the enemy comes to snatch the word of the kingdom, comes to, to steal the word of the kingdom. What's, what's that word? That's the word. Remember, that's the parable of the sower, the seed that's scattered and ends up on the, on the wayside, on the road. And the birds come by and snatch it. That, that's an imagery of the, the enemy coming and snatching the word that doesn't make it to where it's supposed to be. Guys, I'm just going to be honest with you. If we don't have a value and an honor for God's word, we don't really have a value for God. And in today's day and age where word doesn't really carry the value that it used to have, God takes his word seriously. 
He says in another passage in Psalms that uh, I have placed my, my, my word above my name. My word is my name. You can take me at my word. You know, God has honor for his word. I, I like to pray this a lot, uh, especially when it comes to tithe and offering, uh, is God, I'm gonna honor your word because you will honor your word. You know, there's a, our part and his part. And his word contains both sides. But guess what? His part doesn't work if I don't do my part. Giving's easy. Tithe and, and offering is, is easy because he has said in his word that, that if you will give the tithe and the offering, not just one or the other, he says that I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That means I will take care of the stuff you do have. That's what that means. He says, I will open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing uh, for you. You won't even have room enough to contain it. That's his word. And if I honor his word in giving, he will honor his word in meeting and blessing my need. He will do that. And so I pray that a lot. God, we honor your word today as you honor your word. Because he honors his word. God has a very high value for his word. And he valued it so much and honored it so much that he put it in a book where you can access it at any time. And so to devalue the word, and notice he says, your word I have hidden in my heart for a purpose, that I might not sin, simply rebel or disobey what it says. So by placing value and honor on God's word and by, by putting it in a place of value, by hiding it, ensures and assists me in my ability to keep it, right? Because his word is not just to be heard, it's to be applied, it's to be lived out. It's, we're supposed to do the word. It's, it's, it's impossible to do the word that you don't know. And so we've got to get the word in a place and guys, our value for God is revealed in our value for his word. He takes it very seriously. It's one and the same to him. And so we've got to have a value for his word. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The second thing that we see that God values and that we should value, we should honor, is his church. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Notice that we are showing and revealing honor for the things that God has honor for. And in Matthew chapter 16, this is the first time that we see mention of the church in the, in the New Testament. And uh, let's begin... Uh, let's begin with verse 17. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples... He's saying, who do men say that I am? This is about six months before Jesus goes to the cross. He's right at the end of his ministry. Who do men say that I am? They've seen this on display now for three and a half years. They've, they've seen all this take place. Who do men say that I am? And, uh, uh, you know, they say, well, you know, maybe that you're the, one of the prophets, Elijah, come back, uh, you know, all these different things. But then Peter steps up and he says, you are the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. And then Jesus says, responds to him, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And then he says in verse uh, 17, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, my father who is in heaven. Verse 18, I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, watch this, I will build my church. So notice that Jesus takes personal responsibility 
for the building of his church. Personal, he has not delegated this to anybody. We are co-laborers, but we are co-laborers with the laborer, Jesus. And to this day, Jesus is still building his church. He says, I will build, I, I, I will build my church. And that word my is not my like that's my car. He's saying that's my like that's my hand. It's connected to him. It's a part of him. It's different to own something and it's different, it's different to own something than it is to have something be a part of you. See, if you take away something I own, you know, then I've lost something that I own, I, but I didn't lose something that was a part. When you take away something that's a part of me, I've lost me. And that's how personal Jesus makes the building of this church. That's the value that Jesus has for his church. And then he goes on and he says this, he gives this church an assignment. He says, I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. How many of you know, you don't just give your keys to anybody. Or maybe you do, and maybe you pay the, the reward of that. But he says, I will give to you, the church, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And those keys will work for you. Those keys, if whatever you bind on earth will be bound, on heaven, bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Jesus, God, has great value for his church. Uh, we even talked about this a little bit just in our opening on Sunday. Um, I didn't even mean to get off on that, but just came up in my, in my spirit that, that many times we, we like to gravitate to or grab a hold of elements of church that we like. And that will be the case. We will all have varying uh, 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 things that bless us when it comes to church. For some people, uh, people love the connection and the fellowship and the hominess and the hospitality. And that, that's just what blesses them from church. And so, you know, then usually you have those kind of people that like to talk the word out in their groups and maybe even in their homes. And, 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 you know, uh, so they, they, have a hard time getting here to the corporate place because they like their group and they like their, their tight-knit thing. Um, and then you have others that they love the element of church, the worship of church and the praise and the worship and the music and just being in the presence of God, maybe dancing, maybe singing, maybe shouting, maybe being on your face and being on your knees and, 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 and people love that element. And so they, they, they gravitate towards that uh, maybe you've got others that love the word aspect, the teaching and the preaching of the word and being under the word. Uh, and, and that is an element of church. And then you've got uh, those that like the outreach portion, reaching those that are far from Christ. Hey, you know, I love all my church friends. I love all you Christian guys, but I've got to go meet some people that don't know Jesus. I've got to get around some people that, that, that are, you know, are far from God and I need to bring them into the kingdom. And so then they have a, a desire. But the thing is, is many times, and we're seeing this more and more in our day and age, that we will isolate to one element and leave the other. And that's not valuing God's church. Small groups are great, but we need the corporate body. Praise and worship is great, but we need the teaching of the word. 
Outreach is great, but there's times we have to come together with other like-minded fellowship with other believers in the kingdom. So there's elements, there's different aspects of church that we will all have different because we're all different. And the thing that makes it great is that we all come together with our differences and we all come together with, I like this portion, I like this. But then when we get together, it makes it one. It becomes one. One Lord. One body, it says. Not five different bodies on the earth doing different functions. And and you want to know the value that Jesus has for the church. He said, the church is my body. It's the body of Christ. I'm the head of the church. The church is the body. And so you know this, the body, your body carries out the functions of your head. Carries out the will and the desires that the head has. You know, your head might be hungry, but it's not getting any food until your body activates and gets up and does the part of bringing food and nutrition into the body. Your body is the execution aspect of Jesus. The body of, the, of Christ, the church, is what is implementing and executing the vision that Jesus has. That's why he said in Matthew chapter six, pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What good is it if Jesus has a will and an intent and, and a purpose in heaven, but it doesn't have a body to get the, the job done? And, and a church, guys, a church that is separated from the head, disconnected from the head, we call that decapitation. Lifeless. We don't want to be a decapitated church. We want to be a church that's in line with the will of the Father. What are you saying? What are you speaking? A church that is speaking anything other than the word is not a church. And so I hear people say, you know, well, where in the Bible does it say we have to meet at this time? Where in the Bible does it say, uh, you, know, you know, in the Bible, you know, they started in homes. They, uh, in, and, and this is the thing that I've recognized, that everything in infancy stage is different when it becomes in a mature stage. You cannot compare today's church to the book of Acts. It's not the same. It was infant. It's a baby. It's just beginning. Now we've got a mature church that knows how to come together. And we don't negate things. We, we keep the principles. But people, people start getting fixated on methods and they lose the message. They lose the principle. And so we, we, we don't want to I mean, you can't find worship ministry in the Bible. Can't find children's pastors in the Bible. Can't find children's ministry. You, you, you can't find, you know, half the stuff we do today. But it's because it's evolved. God never intends for something that is created one way to stay that way. He, 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 he leaves it to man and then we create it into something greater than it, than it could ever be. When, when man gets his hand, we are the tools that God is using in the earth to create God's will and, and, and move God's purpose and God's plan forward, move the kingdom forward. And so there are aspects, yes, uh, uh, of, of the early church. You know, if you look at the gifts that were in use in the book of Acts and in the early church, there were more apostles than pastors. You can't find very many pastors but you find a whole bunch of apostles because apostles start new stuff. And then pastors come in and they maintain the new stuff 
and they grow the new stuff. But apostles, as soon as one thing gets to some form of maturity, they move right on to the next thing. That's what apostles do. Apostles are already in the next thing before you even finish this thing. That's apostleship. That's the apostolic ministry. So that was the gift. See, the greatest gift that is needed, the greatest gift is the one that is the most needed at the time. The greatest gift is the one needed at the time. We didn't need a bunch of pastors. We didn't even have any churches in the book of Acts. There was planting taking place. That's what apostles do. But now today we've got a lot more pastors than we do apostles. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of pastors today are operating in an apostolic anointing, a gift that they're always pushing for more and always growing more. But, you know, the, the majority of churches in America today are, are under 200. 80% of churches in America today are 200 people or less. Why? Because they have pastors, they have shepherds. But apostles come in and, and they, they explode the thing, grow the thing, and, and move on to the next thing and expand the thing. And, and so there's different giftings, different anointings. And so, you know, many times I see people negate different elements or aspects of the church. See, I love the church, all of it, all of it. I love the praise and worship. I love the fellowship. I love the connections. I love the outreach. I love the preaching of the word. I love all of it. Why? Because I'm a pastor of a church that should be doing all of it. And so I, it, 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 it pains me sometimes to see people missing out on elements of church when we're only great when we're together as a whole. And I don't want just a part of church. I want all of church. I want all of what God has created. So there's gotta be an honor. There's gotta be a value. An honor, a value. How does that display? By being there, by, by investing in it, by giving towards it, by making the connections within the church that are necessary. That, that this is the element of church uh, as a whole that we've got to value and have to honor. And the third thing uh, is, is authority and leadership. And, and really, that's pretty broad. We could break that down. But we're just going to leave it general for tonight, and we're going to just look at the aspect of honoring authority and leadership. First Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And really, if you wanted to break one out of there, you could say all people. You realize that authority figures are people. <laughs> I think sometimes we lose sight of that. And, and we, we, we place uh, needless expectations on people because they carry some type of leadership role whether it be a pastor or whether it be a president or whether it be a boss or a CEO or, or a team director or whatever, the second that leadership influence uh, comes into place. And look, God is very much into leadership. Anytime God does something or wants to get something done in the earth, he does two things. Number one, he finds a leader. And number two, he assembles a team. Every time. Every time. And there is that need for an identifiable leader. And in a world and in a culture today that wants to negate authority and, and buck 
leadership and buck submission and, 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 and try to, you know, the people are just as strong as the power. Leadership is not there for a power trip. Leadership is not there to, to execute their idea or their agenda. Leadership is there to execute God's plan and God's agenda. And so leadership and authority, the kingdom is built on authority and submission. You, you, can't, you cannot get out from under that. The, the, the free, uh, liberal idea of church that we don't need a leader and that we're all equal in the body of Christ. And, and, and in the, you know, at the end of the day, even in, in church, even in the body of Christ, Jesus is the great shepherd, but he has established under shepherds, pastors. And I don't have a problem talking about it. I know some pastors, I, you know, I can't talk about the role of the pastor. I am one, you know, it seems self-serving. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm not up here power tripping. I'm not up here trying to boss people around. To, I'm trying to get you the word of God and the word of life that will save your soul. This is not my opinion. People will ask me, well, what is y'all's church's stance on homosexuality? We don't have a stance but I can tell you what my king says. I can tell you what his word says, and we adhere to the word. This is what the word of God says. Come on. Leadership is something to be honored, not devalued. Not something to be shoved in the ground. You're just like me. Have you ever noticed that people will build you up only to tear you down? I watched that happen literally to Tim Tebow. Build them up, build them up, build them up, build them up, tear them down. There's just something about, about human humanity and, and the evil in the world and that, that we, you know, God has placed leadership in our lives, not as a yoke around our neck, but as a level of accountability to, to help us move forward. And God always ordains leaders. There's always an Abraham. There's always a Moses. There's always a David. There's always a Paul. There's always a, an Esther. There's always a, a, a Daniel. There's always a Paul, a Peter. There are leaders that God raises up to help everybody. And God doesn't, God is not a respecter of persons. But the authority figures and the leadership that, that we have in our lives, he says, I exhort you. That means to encourage. I encourage you, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Now let me tell you that we may be living in a day and age here in America where where we question authority and and we see flaws and issues. But I can tell you right now, we know nothing of the day and age in which the the early church had to engage uh, a very hostile government. 
I mean, these weren't people that were just like, uh, we don't like your Jesus stuff. These were people that, that thought that Jesus was tyrannical. They thought that Jesus was a lunatic. They thought that Jesus was uh, raising himself up as an authority figure to overthrow the natural uh, Roman government, that, that he was opposing that. They seriously felt threatened, enough so that they put him on a cross. And so these early church guys, the, this, this early group here, they are in fear of a government that, that not only uh, you know, doesn't just like church, they hate everything about Jesus and the church. The Roman government uh, would, would, would take Christians and at night would light them on fire on these big stands and they would be the candles, Roman candles, that would light the streets. Their bodies would. And you smelled it and you heard it, this is the real deal. Every single one of the apostles, except for John, died an unnatural death. We're not talking uh, 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 about, you know, uh, you know, the oppressions. We have no clue today, the freedoms we have and the freedoms that we enjoy. But even in the midst of that, Paul can write to Timothy, Pray for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority. Most likely from a jail cell imprisoned by a Roman government. Guys, there, there's no question. Our level of, of, of honor that we have for government officials, there's no question. I don't care what they believe. I don't care what they demonstrate. I don't care what, what, what you believe about their character, what you believe the media says about them. I, I, I don't, I don't, none of that matters. We cannot live in a culture of dishonor and disrespect towards officials in our lives. And this is every single authority figure on this planet. Anybody that is in any level of oversight of your life comes under this command, qualifies as a candidate for supplications and prayers and intercessions. You know what intercessions means? Intercessions means standing in the gap on behalf of one another. Could you stand in the gap for someone that despitefully uses you? Could you stand in the gap or someone that treats you improperly, could you stand in the gap? But that's what the word commands us to do. And then it even says giving thanks. Okay, Paul, you can stop throwing all this in here at any time. Anything else we're supposed to do for all these evil people? No, he's saying that, that, that it, 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 and this is the thing about, about honor is we don't get to determine what's honorable and what's not. That's not up to us. It's not. A lot of people want to consider honor based on performance or based on the person, but, but God bases honor based on position. The position brings the honor. The position brings the honor. And so we've got to honor people. We've got to honor every race, 
honor every color, honor, honor every, uh, 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 honor poor, honor rich. And, and we just see such a level of dishonor. And you know what's, what we're losing out on? Is the connection. See, when, when, what we dishonor actually has what we need. I mean, I, I've, I've heard poor people talk horrible about people that have money and make money. Well, actually, if you would stop talking about them and get in a room with them and start talking to them, you might learn some things that could get you out of that. We allow our pride to step in and we allow, uh, uh, you know, this idea that we're on different levels and they never understand my situation and da, da, da. No, no, no. Maybe if we would get rid of all the dishonor and find out we're all on the same playing field. You know, the shepherd is on the same playing field as the, as the sheep. On the same field, just in a different level, a different position where he gets to uh, uh, lead your life and help your life move forward. And then those that oppose you, guess what? God, God will, will take avenge for us. God will avenge us. We, we never have the right or the position to act out against We've hit this a few times, but for us married people in this room, it's the same thing. There's got to be honor. There's got to be submission. That's an authority figure in your life, and that's a soulmate that's come alongside, a helpmate that's come alongside. And it doesn't matter how bad it looks. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what's taking place. It doesn't matter uh, uh, any of that. There has got to be unison. There's got to be honor. There's got to be a respect. We don't receive the blessings from the positions. So these three areas, again, this isn't all uh, uh, inclusive. This is just to, to get you started. Guys, if we're not honoring in these three areas, it's questionable if we really have honor towards God. Because God established these three positions. God has commanded us through his word. I have value for these. You have value for these then we can receive the blessings from our government, from our authorities, from our officials. We can receive the blessing from the church. We can receive a, a blessing from one another. We can see, receive blessing. You know, there's, there's people that only go into the word to find stuff that's wrong with it. There's people, they, they, they're not, they're, they don't love God's word. I remember I had a conversation once when we were first starting this church on the subject and, uh, you know, an individual came in with all his Bible scriptures and came in with his Bible and, you know, all the little notes that he had, but it was only things to defend his position. Only, only, only to, to side and, and to convince me that his, and, and I would never do that to anybody. I'd say, look, here's the word and don't believe it because I say it, believe it because it's in the word. And I've said it all the time. If you can show me something in the word that I say that is incorrect, I'll, let's sit down and look at it. Nothing is, my pride is not more important than the word of God. This is the most valuable thing on the planet. But there has to be a love for it. You can't just come in with your bullets of, of scriptures and, and start blasting people. No, there's gotta be a love for his word, a value for his word. I can't live without this word. I've gotta have it before I get up. I've gotta have it before I go to bed. I, I, I've gotta have it in the middle of my day. I, I've gotta be grounded and founded in the word. It is the rock that I built my life on. I've gotta have a value and an honor. Father, we thank you. 
Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaith.austin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.